morning, everybody. All right. Uh, this morning, I'm reading out of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, uh, verses 20 through 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and with shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will deliver my flock, and they will no longer be a prey, and I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Jesus, I pray that as we receive your word this morning, that God, our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our bodies, Lord, will be filled to the point of overflowing, and that, God, we may enact that what we hear um, for your glory. Lord, I pray that we would um, grow your kingdom this morning. I ask that you would bless uh, the minister of your word. Father, allow him to decrease, and may your spirit increase so we may hear the word from you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys. Hey, uh, I'm so glad to be with you, uh, whether here or online, um, but really thankful for the opportunity to proclaim some really good news today. And, uh, and again, this is a really big privilege of mine. My name is Will, if we haven't met, and uh, I get to be one of the pastors here at City Church. You see this guy's a little bit wobbly and feeling that. Um, all right. Uh, just so you don't get like seasick, all right, during this whole thing. Um, while we're, uh, yep, there we go, we're going to trade these out. Um, while we're trading them out, I'm going to tell you, we, if you've been tracking with City Church, it's not, it's not your first time here. If it is your first time here, we're welcome. You made it. You made it through all of the uh, obstacles, and so you're here. Glad you made it. Um, if you have been tracking with us, you know that we spent the summer in a series called B.C., uh, and that's, that's kind of calling to the, the, historical, uh, the historical name before Christ. And the aim of the series ultimately is to fuel the worship of the life of our church by seeing that God's plan for redemption, his plan to fix all that is broken in the world through Jesus was put in motion from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. So the history of redemption is the history of the world. And even though the world labels that time period before Jesus was born B.C., that history was always moving towards Jesus, always pointing towards Jesus. And so the book is not, uh, the Bible is not a book of tips and tricks for your life. Now, 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 a lot of people will read the Bible that way. They'll read it, they'll open it up and say, hey, I need some kind of tip or trick, a life hack. And so maybe the Bible has that. Um, now, the Bible does contain tons of wisdom. Right? So we can, we can know how to live in a wise way because of the truths of the Bible. But it is not ultimately a book of tips and tricks. Uh, it's not a book of laws for you to keep. Okay, now it does contain laws. And in those laws, God reveals his priorities and what his heart cares about. And it reveals how far we've fallen from our position in creation as representatives of his. And so what the Bible is 
ultimately is a story of redemption, a history of redemption. And so in order to bring about the great redemption that the scriptures talk about, okay, redemption, that's just a big kind of a churchy word um, that means to be ransomed or rescued, okay? Uh, that's, what, that's what that word means. And so the Bible is a story about God's rescue plan, okay? Now, you might read that in like Jesus' storybook Bible and think that that's overly simplistic, but it's actually just h- highly distilled, Okay, Um, And so in order to bring about the great rescue plan that God has in the scriptures, there is a need for a great shepherd. Okay, that's what we're going to see today is that redemption requires a shepherd. And, and, And again, what I'm trying to do most of the time is trying to take you from this place of like note taking intellectual spot. Right. Or, hey, note taking. I'm going to try to go just, you know, be motivated to do better this week. I'm trying to get you actually away from that to see that your redemption requires a shepherd and to personalize this whole thing. This is not what, not, not, I'm not interested in just teaching you about the Bible. What I want to do today is actually have the Bible, have God speak to you where you are, okay? And what I'm saying is that this message would be one that says your redemption, your rescue as a person, your ransom as a person requires a shepherd. And Jesus, kind of bearing the lead here, but this is, this is what you're going to get from me every week, Okay? is that Jesus is the ultimate shepherd Shepherd that will eternally care for the people of God. It's not going to be like some aha moment at the end where it's like, it's Jesus? You know, it's, it's always been Jesus, that's what I'm telling you. But Jesus is the ultimate shepherd that will eternally care for his people. Okay, and so we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34. If you have a Bible, turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. Kids, if, if you don't know where that's at, adults... Also, if you don't know where that's at, the table of contents is super handy. Okay, it's, 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 it's kind of buried in this, this spot of the prophets, okay? And the prophets are broken down into major and minor prophets. And so you'll start to see a bunch of names if you're just kind of flipping through, okay? When you get to the minor prophets, they're called minor because they're shorter, major because they're longer, okay? And Ezekiel is one of the major prophets of the scriptures. And they're not in chronological order, just so you're, if you're trying to make sense of the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel is actually happening uh, during, during an earlier period of the Old Testament, okay? So that's why we're reading through the Old Testament narrative as a church. If you've been reading through that with us, that's awesome. Um, But Ezekiel happens, it unfolds during this narrative of the Old Testament. And Ezekiel, he particularly was a prophet during some really hard times for God's people. He He was one of the Israelites who was taken captive in the first Babylonian attack on Jerusalem. So uh, Babylon attacks Jerusalem. They don't destroy the city ultimately, but they do take a bunch of captives out of the city. He's one of the captives, okay? And so he's there in Babylon, and God speaks to him as a prophet to declare God's words to his people. And his, his words are words of judgment and words of hope to the nation of Israel and to the surrounding nations. He's not just speaking to Israel. And this is a super weighty calling. Can you imagine? Actually, it's like a high-stakes game to be a prophet in the Old Testament. Because if what you say doesn't happen, you know what they have the right to do? Kill you. Okay? So it's like, you better get this right, guys. Uh, It's a pretty high-stakes game. It's not an easy calling. It's a weighty calling. And Ezekiel, in particular, is called to do some really weird stuff. He, like, lays on his side and eats food cooked over poop for, like, a year. All right? And so, kids, you heard me right. Poop. Okay? Okay? weird. All right. He has to do weird stuff. It's a, but it's not just that. It's a weighty calling because he's good declaring the judgment of God. And it's made even more tough because God tells him up front, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to pay attention to you, but you still have to declare it. 
And, uh, and, and so the people don't listen. And at the end of chapter 33, if you're tracking through Ezekiel, at the end of chapter 33, a refugee from Jerusalem shows up uh, in Babylon. And, uh, and he reports that Jerusalem has fallen and the temple of God has been destroyed. Which we, if you tracked with us from earlier weeks, then you remember that the temple of God's a huge deal. That's like the center point of worship for all of the Israelite people. So now they're in the situation where their city has been taken over, most of the people are in exile, and their temple, the center of worship, has been destroyed. That's why I'm saying he's a prophet during some hard times. And so the question now is, is the question is, what now? Is God done with Israel? Is this history of redemption? Did God just call it off? What now? And the passage that we're coming into, these are God's words to Ezekiel in the midst of that kind of despair and that sort of uncertainty about the future. Okay? So Ezekiel 34, we'll start in verse 20. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them. When, when, when it says, thus says the Lord God, that's, that, that's what, what we're saying is these are God's words to these people. All right? And, uh, and so... This is, this is quite literally God's word, okay, that we're reading. Uh, it says, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will, be, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Okay, so it's like, what is happening? Right? So sometimes I think we just, we kind of like look at the Bible and kind of read through it, kind of like gloss over it, look into kind of snag some kind of like moralism or some kind of like little thing for us to just uh, maybe put in our pocket to do, do, do that week or something. But so what is happening? And, and so there's a problem that God is addressing in chapter 34. He's addressing a leadership crisis in Israel. Amongst his people, he's addressing a leadership crisis. But for you today, I think that there's a problem before the problem. Okay, there's a problem before the problem that God addresses. Uh, and, and I'll say it this way. I'll help you kind of grasp the, the, this problem. This week, I got a new nickname around my house. And uh, it's Panda Daddy. Uh, panda, like Panda Bear Daddy. Okay, I'm a dad. And, uh, and that's, this is not surprising in one way because my daughter loves animals. Okay, she loves animals. Uh, Lucy, my oldest, loves animals. Emma, we don't know if she loves animals. She just likes, uh, well, she likes her mom. And, uh, and so, um, but Lucy, she's constantly pretending uh, to be an animal, sometimes a mom animal, okay? So lately, she's been a, a leopard, okay? That's mainly her go-to thing that she's being around our house. She, you might be talking to her, and she's, like, licking her arm, and she's, like, she's just totally, like, in character. She's a method actor, and uh, so she goes deep in character. She's not going to break. Uh, she's a mommy leopard, and she has a baby leopard with her. That's what's happening, okay? And I'm, like, hey, that, if I'm going to be an animal, a leopard might be a pretty sweet animal to be, right? They're fast. They're strong. They're, they're like ninjas, but, you know, big cats, but she decided for me to be a panda. And my wife, she's like, oh, that, that fits. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Why is that fitting? You know, what about me screams panda to you? And, uh, and she was like, oh, you know, because you like give her big bear hugs. And I'm like, let's be serious. Is that why we're talking about me being a panda? Is because I give good hugs? Lots of animals could give. You know who else could give a good hug is a grizzly bear. Okay, a grizzly bear. My brother actually has a grizzly bear tattoo on his shoulder. It's a very epic tattoo. 
like very intense. It, part of it's like a ge geometric shape of a bear and the other half is like more realistic. It's pretty cool. I'm like, if, if I was getting a tattoo, it might be something like that, okay? Uh, but like a lion or something. But for me, no, the image that I get is, what, I mean, what do you think of when you think of a panda? You can say it out loud. Fluffy. Okay, there's one main word that is associated with panda bears, and that's bamboo, okay? Because they, most of their time is spent collecting and eating bamboo. So the image that I would get tattooed on my shoulder, because my, 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 my niece calls my, you know, my brother, you know, Papa Bear, I'm Panda Bear. So I'm just a big old panda sitting there chomping on his bamboo. Okay, that is the image. Now I might try to like get out of that Kung Fu Panda, you know, and maybe go a different route and be like a little bit more of a fierce panda. Although just for the record, panda bears are not safe. Okay, they are bears. Okay, but nobody sees them that way. It's not a flattering nickname, but I'm trying to own it. On my way to write this message, I, I walked out of the house, and I said, panda's out. And my, my daughter said, bye, panda. <laughs> she, she's in. Uh, but it's not a, flatter, not a flattering nickname, but I'm running with it. But the scriptures here are using not just a nickname, but a metaphor to describe us that is, let, let me make this clear, far less flattering than a panda. It's a sheep. So the scriptures, God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who happens to know more than all of us, is saying, you know what you're like? You're like sheep. And uh, at the end of the passage in chapter 34, if you keep reading, you'll see him say, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. Like he's, God's not even flinching on this. He's like, you're like sheep. You're, I'm just going to call you human sheep. Okay, to, to reinforce this fact that you are like sheep. And now I want you to embrace this because it's not cool to be a sheep. All right? There's nothing cool about being a sheep. You can't like take that and get it. I mean, I would love to see the guy with the sheep tattoos like made that somehow fierce. But if he does, it's not like a real sheep. Sheep are three things. I, was re I, I have never been a sheep herder or a shepherd of actual sheep, um, but I was reading about them, and there's three, three Ds to describe sheep. They're dumb, directionless, and defenseless, okay? Three Ds. And that's not trying to be mean. That's just stating fairly objective realities. When I say that they're dumb, th there's a story about a bunch of shepherds who kind of like took the morning off, and they were just eating breakfast, and there was a cliff. One of the sheep somehow managed to walk off the cliff and the 1,499 other sheep that were behind that sheep, you know what they also did? Walked off that cliff. One after another. And surprisingly, actually only like 400 of them died because what happened is they created a huge cotton ball at the bottom that was catching the other ones as they were falling. So it wasn't, they are you know, bracing the, the impact. So I mean it. When they are like, they are not intelligent creatures. They are directionless. They get lost all the time. They get lost and they can't find their way back to their, their herd within sight. They could see the herd and they still wouldn't be able to find their way back to it. And they are defenseless. I've heard it said this way, that if you put a sheep into nature, what you have get done is given nature a snack. Because that is what will happen. They are not fast. Okay, they are not agile. They are not, they're going to baa, you know, bah, that's what's going to happen when the grizzlies come in at them. Okay. They don't have like a skunk. We were talking about skunks yesterday in my house. Skunks have a very powerful weapon. Uh, they're going to fumigate you. And uh, that's happened to my dog. Okay. So I'm trying to scrub off this, but sheep don't, sheep don't have that, right? They're dumb, directionless, and defenseless. 
So it's not cool to be a sheep, but it's also not an accident that God calls us that. It's so not accidental that it happens like 400 times in the Bible. Okay, so if it's like, hey, we're trying to really get this through to you, you're like a sheep. Okay, 400 times this is the reference. So it's not an accident. And the reason I think this is being used is the quality of life for a sheep depends on one thing. Okay, it depends on one thing, the shepherd. Not just the quality of life, though. Life itself for sheep depends on the shepherd. Um, Dependence. A sheep's life depends on shepherd. And so our culture doesn't celebrate dependence, do we? We literally celebrate independence, okay? It's like Independence Day. That's when we light fireworks. There's no Dependence Day, and I can promise you there's never going to be one. Not in the United States, and especially if there was one in the United States, it wouldn't be in Fort Worth. There would be no Dependence Day. And we don't do this. It's not just like our culture, though. It's not even just Western. That's what the Tower of Babel in, in Genesis chapter 11. You know what that whole story is about is, hey, let's be independent from God. We got this. Let's build this thing up to his house and show him that we're pretty great. Let's make a name for ourselves. It's not just a Western thing or a 21st century thing. Our kids, like you can look at your kids. When is the last time your kid came up to you and said, and kids, maybe, maybe you can think of a time that you said, hey, mom and dad, I did this with somebody else's help. You don't, they're never going to say that. They said, they're going to say, come up to you and say, hey, I did this all by myself. My AC went out on Friday night. Um, which was exciting because it was still 100 degrees at like 9 p.m. And so that was a great moment for me. Uh, But you know what I was not able to do is fix it all by myself. I had to call somebody else. And I'm not sitting here being like, man, guys, check it out. I called Chris. Chris knew a guy, and that guy came and fixed my AC. Look at me. No, I would be, I might say that if I'm like, and you know what? I figured out it was the capacitor. So I got in there and I replaced the capacitor with the, you know, some wrenches. I don't even know how to do any of that stuff. Okay. But the point is, is that our culture is not going to celebrate dependence, but that's exactly what the scriptures tell us that we are. I read some, a secular, just like an outside secular source on this. And they, they were saying, if you believe yourself to be merely a sheep, you do require a shepherd. But if you believe yourself to be mighty, you shall guide your own path. Seems pretty cool if it was true. This guy's been reading some, I'm sure, Invictus by William Ernest Henley that says, I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. And that all sounds really cool until a virus that's thinner than the strand of hair comes into your world and all of a sudden you're not the captain of your soul or the master of your fate. When one of your cells goes rogue and now you have cancer, when somebody uh, does something that's outside of your control, ruins your plans, all of a sudden you are not the captain of your soul or the master of your fate. And so it's arrogance that speaks with uh, this finite perspective about being a sheep. You can accept it or you can reject it, but it's God's metaphor and not mine. Okay, so you can deal with that with God. He's saying we are sheep. That's the problem before the problem. Um, and so if we reject the problem before the problem, then God's solution won't make much, much sense. Okay, so that's the problem before the problem. We are sheep. Okay, and if you don't accept that, it's going to be problematic with the solution God gives. But here's the problem of the passage. Let's just circle back on that real quick. We are sheep, but if we are sheep in Christ, we will be much more. 
We will be, at the very least, the children of God, heirs of the universe, co-rulers with the King of Kings, the bride of Christ, shining like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We'll be much more than sheep, but we'll never be less than sheep. Okay, but you have to accept that first problem. Now, the problem of the passage, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 34, you can see that the leadership crisis that God's people are facing here. Okay, and so Ezekiel 34, verses 2 and 3, I'll just read it to you. It should be on the screen. Ah, and so anytime God starts with ah, it's like, man, I don't know, I don't want to be the, the, you know, the people that he's speaking to, right? But God's like, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And see, the leaders of God's people were not helping care for the flock. They were hurting the flock. And because sheep are sheep, everything hinges on the shepherds. And these shepherds failed to care for the sheep. You can keep reading. It says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So there's a leadership crisis in God's people. And it seems as if uh, there has been a perennial leadership crisis probably since that time, and really preceding that time. It's our instinct or our intuition that maybe right now, right now is the time when there's the greatest leadership crisis in our society, in our world, in our country. I, was, I listened to a message on this passage. It was from 2011. And the leadership crisis conversation was equally as relevant, okay? You can, you can reverse all you want to. The last time there has not been a leadership crisis is in Genesis chapter 2, okay? There's also a cultural crisis unfolding because in the passage we read earlier, it says God's going to judge the shepherds for the way that they have failed to care for his sheep, and he says he's going to judge the sheep. Do you see that? He's going to judge not just the shepherds, but the sheep and the sheep, Okay, and, uh, and so he, he ends up saying, because these powerful ones have abused the weak ones, they've shouldered them out, they have not looked after the weak, they have pushed them out, God's going to judge the sheep too. And what you need to see is that God cares about his sheep, all of them. All of them. I don't know where you, how, how unseen you feel today. Maybe you feel totally invisible. Maybe you know people in your neighborhood, people in our city, people around you that feel really invisible. It is an astounding truth of Scripture that there's not one person that is invisible to God. He cares about every one of the sheep. And so what is the solution for this leadership crisis, this cultural crisis that, that, that we find in Ezekiel 34? It says, well, I can tell you what the solution is not, first of all. The solution is not, well, you know what? Let's just kind of rethink this whole shepherd thing. Maybe we can find a way to retool the system that we don't need shepherds. Maybe the sheep can just kind of like rise up and they can just do it on their own. They can handle this, okay? Let's not be helicopter shepherds to the sheep. All right, guys? Let's let them blossom, okay? Forget the shepherds, okay? The reason why we won't do that, why God will not do that, is because it does not matter how confident you are in the sheep. The sheep, as I read this week, have one objective, and that is to die. It's just real. The solution's not to get rid of the shepherds. 
You see, God wrote the history of redemption in such a way that the bad shepherds would stand in contrast to the good shepherd. The solution is not to get rid of the shepherds, it's to find the right shepherd. And God wrote the history of redemption in such a way that all of these bad shepherds, all of them were pointing us forward towards a better shepherd. In the same way that the law of God, he wrote, so the, he, God gave the law and the commandments to the Israelite people in Exodus, okay? Do you remember that? 600 plus laws and, and you know what they did mainly? Reveal that we need a new heart in order to obey the law. That's what they mainly did. In the same way that these shepherds mainly revealed that we need a better shepherd. And so here's the solution that God gives in verse 23 and 24. Look at it with me. He's, this is God speaking. This is a solution to the problem, okay? It says, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Which is a sweet, that's a sweet thing, because when God says, I'm the Lord, I'm, I have spoken, you can, he's saying, hey, you can bank on this thing. You can lean on this thing. You can lean on this truth. What I'm saying is going to happen. Okay, and so who is this? He's saying, I'm going to set up a better shepherd over my people. Who is it going to be? It says right there, it's going to be my servant, David. Here is what, here's the problem with that. David has been dead. King David, who he's speaking, he's, he's referencing King David, like sword in the, sword, uh, sword in the stone, uh, sling in the stone, uh, Goliath dead on the ground, that kind of King David. He's talking about that David. Okay, who when, it, when the scriptures talk about David in Psalm chapter 80, it talks about him, how he was called out from being a shepherd to shepherd God's people. Okay, and so David's this pretty rad dude in the history of redemption. So maybe it's like, is he going to resurrect David? And, but he's, yeah, so that's the problem is that he's dead. How's a dead guy going to be the shepherd of these people? No, it's not going to be David. What God's doing is pointing back to David to point forward to the one who will fulfill the promise. Listen to me on that. God is pointing back to David to show you who he's going to fulfill the promise through. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. Both of these and all over the Old Testament, there's language about the Messiah being the shepherd, the coming shepherd that's all over the Old Testament. I, I, I honestly, I'm just like, how do I share more with you about that? We don't have time. But here's the deal is Isaiah 40 even talks about how this shepherd is going to pick up these tender sheep, these ones who are needing care, and he's going to care for them really, really well. And so I know that we might be big and tough. We might be strong and independent, but the reality is, is that your soul is not looking for a leaderless world. Your soul is longing for the right leader. The Messiah is the leader that you are looking for. Some of the most strong, capable people I know in this church, don't be deceived. You're a sheep and you need a leader. And so David himself said in Psalm chapter 23 that Bailey read earlier, um, he said, it's like the most famous of all the Psalms, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means I, don't, I won't need anything. And so here's, here's, where, here's how you can fit out, here's how you can understand who the solution is, okay? Because look, if you go back in chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, I'm just going to read this to you. It says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, 
He's talking about the solution he's going to give. I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out my, his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue. I will bring them out. I will feed them. I will feed them with good pasture. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring, bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And so who's going to be the shepherd? Who's the solution? Who's the leader that we need? He's pointing back to David to point forward to the one who will be the great shepherd. Revelation 7 is the place that probably kind of mixes things together in the most beautiful way because it talks about the lamb who has become the shepherd because God himself would have to become flesh to be the shepherd of his people. In John chapter 10, this is where we're going, okay? John chapter 10 says it this way, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking now. Listen to his words to you. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you're looking for the good life, if you're looking to find life, Jesus knows where it is. He's the only one who can shepherd you there. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, here's the deal is that Jesus, he is not a reflection of all the leaders that you know. All the leaders that you have experienced in your lifetime, maybe it's a leader in your family. Maybe it's a leader in a school. Maybe it's a leader in your job. Maybe it's a leader in your uh, neighborhood. Maybe, whatever the context of your leader, the leaders of our country, he is not a reflection of all those. He is the perfection of all of those. He is not a reflection of them. He is the perfection of them. So how can Jesus be our shepherd? This is where I wanted to, I just want to get you here and so you can see. You, you, you knew that I was going to say that. But you've got to just kind of marinate in this for just a moment. Meditate on this. How can, how can Jesus be our shepherd? Because Jesus and King David, they're both dead Middle Eastern men. Here's why. Jesus didn't stay dead. King David stayed in the tomb. Jesus did not stay in the tomb. This is what Hebrews 13 says. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, what does it call him? The great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. How can Jesus be our shepherd? He didn't stay dead. In fact, it's in his death and resurrection that the other big question is resolved because the other big question for you and for me, hear this, because if you just blow past this, you're gonna miss this. How can you and I be a part of Jesus' flock? Okay, because he, in Ezekiel, if you just kind of take the Old Testament and kind of rip it apart and put it in your pocket and pull out one like a fortune cookie or something, you're misusing the Old Testament. You don't know what you're saying. Okay, Ezekiel 34 is speaking very clearly about the people of Israel. Ezekiel 34, 30, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. So how, are you, how is Jesus your shepherd? Well, he says this, and if you kept on reading in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. 
Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And look at how this flock, look at how this flock, you, if you're part of the flock of God, the people of God, the church of God, God's family adopted through the blood of Jesus, how did you become that way? Okay, uh, Acts, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. This is how we are defined as God's flock because he's, he's in, this, in this passage, Paul's talking to elders of a local church. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care, to care for the church of God, listen to this, which he obtained with his own blood. You became part of this flock. You don't just to get to read the Old Testament and kind of believe it for yourself just because. You get to be grafted into this people of Israel because Jesus obtained us with his own blood. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins, your sins, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It is precisely in Jesus' death and resurrection that you have been brought into the flock of God. You're not just a sheep that is outside of that flock wandering around hopeless. Sheep are never going to find life. We get brought into the flock that's going to be led to streams of living water because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so what does it look like to act on this truth? You're going to leave here in a little bit, or you're going to shut your computer, turn off your TV. You're going to do that in just a minute. Okay, so what does it look like? Because we want these messages not just to be a lecture about some information that you can hold on to and be like, hey, cool, look, Jesus is the shepherd from Ezekiel 34. And like, you know, that's neat. Um, We don't want that for you. And, And I'm not necessarily just trying to get you to go do things, okay? We want there to be worship, okay, which involves acting on that. Worship is going to make its way into your day-to-day life. And so the reality is, is that we are sheep that need a shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. How do you follow him? This is like the million dollar question to me. How would you follow him? Well, he gives us this clue in John chapter 10, verse four. He says, when he has brought out all his own, speaking of himself, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know his voice. Providentially, Brian Cha-Cha this morning in our, in our leader huddle talked about this song from Casting Crowns, which is like super throwback, talking about the voice of truth. And the reality is, is there are a lot of voices that are speaking to you, lots and lots of voices. Some of them are human voices. Some of them are spiritual voices. Your voices that you are hearing in your head, and nobody's going to admit that, but you're hearing a lot of voices Here's what it means to to be a sheep in Jesus' flock, to follow his voice, okay? Romans 8 says to you and I, if you've been obtained by the blood of Jesus in his flock, if that's true for you, what what, what Romans 8 says is there's therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And so a really good way to discern which voice is speaking to you is if that voice is a voice of conviction that's going to lead to repentance or condemnation that's going to lead to shame. Look at me on this because I'm sure of this, that there are people in our church and there are people all around you who who think they are following Jesus and they are growing very disenchanted with Jesus. They're growing very bitter towards Jesus. They're growing really disinterested in Jesus because they think they're hearing his voice, but they're hearing some other voice. 
It's not the voice of conviction that leads to repentance. They're hearing a voice of condemnation that leads to shame. And that's not the message of the gospel. That's not Jesus' voice that you're following. And that's, that's really problematic. So I had this week, I also, apart, along with my air conditioners, a weird week, I guess, I had a bunch of fraudulent charges on my debit card. And, uh, and so what I did is I had to go in and I called my bank. I didn't call holistic healthcare com. You know, I'm like, I didn't call them. I don't even know where to call them. I feel like that was going to cost me more money because they were going to steal more money from me. So I just called my bank. I said, hey, I want to dispute these charges. And you know what they're doing? They're going to give me that money back. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. They're like, you have these rights, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking about it. I was like, man, that's what, these, that's what our people need to do. We start, need to start disputing some charges here. If there's a charge being leveled against you, an accusation being made to you, made against you, uh, you should cross-check that. And if it's not from the Holy Spirit, if it's not a, a charge that's going to lead you to repentance, turning to worship God and, and uh, worship Jesus for the price that he has already paid, if it's not that voice, you need to dispute that charge. Do you understand? You don't just let that charge hang out and sit in your mind and take root in your mind. And next thing you know that you are, you are bittered, you are uh, on the verge of suicide, you are uh, entangled in alcoholism, you are uh, filing for divorce. It, you, you, just track, you can just track. I can go back and find if there's somebody who's in any of these situations that are domino, domino falling, ruining their lives. Okay, You can go back and there is an accusation that's being made. And that is not Jesus making that accusation. That is not following his voice voice. You tracking with me? Dispute the right charges. Okay. There are other voices speaking. There are other leaders leading. You follow the right leaders. Okay. Look to the under shepherds of Jesus. That's what First Peter 5 calls any elder in a local church is somebody not the chief. We're an under shepherd because First Peter 5 says there's a chief shepherd. There's a chief shepherd. And Peter should know, because when Peter was restored to Jesus, you know what his command was, the command Jesus gave to Peter on the beach? John 21, feed my sheep. Whose sheep? Jesus' sheep. Peter never forgot it. Peter said, there's one chief shepherd. I'm just working for him. And so the leaders that you follow in the church are those that are going to point you towards Jesus. Membership in a local church is a real thing. Okay? It's a real thing. It means receiving shepherding, uh, the, the shepherding of Jesus' under shepherds. Okay? Our elders are actually meeting today to discern how we can more effectively shepherd the flock of God that's amongst us. Okay? But the ultimate question for shepherds, if you uh, were made to be shepherded by Jesus, if he's the chief shepherd, then where are they leading you to? The question you should always be asking of your leaders in your church is, are they leading you to Jesus, the chief shepherd? And if they're not, then you have now entered into, just so you know, you are in a cult. Straight face. That is what you are in. If you are part of a church that is leading you somewhere other than Jesus, you are in a cult, and you should remove yourself and find a place where there are under shepherds who are going to lead you to Jesus, nowhere else. Okay? What if I haven't been doing this well? What if, what if today you find yourself in a situation where you're like, hey, I know I used to be Jesus' sheep, but I feel like I'm like 100 miles away from Jesus. I can't even see the flock, much less you know, find my way back on my own. 
That's good news because shepherds are in the rescuing business, okay? I think God has you here. He has you listen to this message because particularly he wants to bring you back to himself, okay? Don't keep running off further because you think you're too far away. And and what about when life is hard and life is dark? I would just encourage you to turn to Psalm 23 and and, and, and the, the one who is being shepherded by the Lord himself. He said, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. God's with me. If you're in a hard time and a dark time, that doesn't mean God's far from you. It means he's closer. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, and he will be our forever shepherd. I'm going to read Revelation 7, and we're going to close. You guys can come up. Uh, we're going to jump into some songs from here. But Revelation 7, 16 and 17 says this. They, this is God's forever people. And look at me. This is not just the history of redemption. This is now the future of redemption. Okay, so if you're in Christ today, this is your destiny. If you're not in Christ today, maybe you're finding your heart in a place where you're like, I don't even know if I really am a Christian. God has you here today to receive an invitation to become part of that flock. You don't have to get into that flock by doing a bunch of good stuff. You get into that flock because of the blood that was poured out on your behalf. That's the only way in. But once you are in, we have a shepherd like no other. And he's going to lead us to this place. This is a description of our shepherd. Look at me on this. Hear this. Kids, hear this. Adults, hear this. Other side of the screen, wherever you're at, stop what you're doing. Put down whatever you have. Listen to this. This is our destiny. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And look what he's going to do. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's your destiny, church. Sealed in the blood of Jesus. You don't have to do it on your own. You're a sheep. A sheep depends on their shepherd. Don't move away from dependence. Move towards it in Jesus. We're going to sing a song in just a minute called Before the Throne. And the lyric says this, so, so when it comes, sing it loud. I dare you to sing it loud in your living room if you're listening to this in your living room. In, in your car, I dare you to sing this loud. If you're listening to this on a podcast, turn it off and go to whatever music and turn on this song because in this song it says, Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Let's pray. <laughs> God, this is, the, this is the best news in the universe. It's hard news to, be, to, to find out that we're sheep, but I hope that even that truth would strike deeply in our hearts that we aren't in charge, that we aren't autonomous, that we aren't independent, but we are dependent creatures, and we are dependent on you, God. Oh, would you bring repentance where we are depending on other things, lesser gods, would you meet us here in our dependence, and would you convince our hearts that we do have a shepherd, one who lays down his life for his sheep, one who can take his life back up again, one who has obtained his flock by his own blood. Oh, God, would you, would you bring revival in our midst? Would you bring renewal in our hearts? And for those sheep who were strayed, who were really far, 
God, would you reach them today? Would you pull them back in? You have strong arms. You have capable hands. Would you bring them back in? King Jesus, it's in your name we pray.